0: i'm maddie myers
1: i'm kirk hamilton and i'm jason schreier
0: and i'm the christmas duck
1: (laughs) hello christmas duck welcome christmas duck man i was i assumed that the easter egg in this game gone home is that if you carry the christmas duck around the whole time then the ghost appears at the end Yep. I think that was a common theory.
0: It becomes a <laughs> horror game. Just right. as it always seems as though it's about to be. It's just right, the right. Christmas duck is actually what's haunted, and you mm-hmm. just have to unlock the true ending. It's
1: very that is very I've seen that argument over and over again. There is no doubt in my mind that it's deliberately meant to make you think that like oh, yeah. it's gonna be yes. a Yes, Of argument.
0: course. Oh yes, Steve That's the
1: point of the game. as much. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. Good. What anyway. are we what are we talking about? Gone home, what are we guys. About? We're, <laughs> gonna, we're gonna spill the beans on go home. First of all, a big thank you to everybody listening to this. This because if you're listening to this unless you're like a dirty pirate or something <laughs> or you stole the you stole Yarr. the bonus feed but yeah. chances are if you're listening to this you are a member a max member so big thank you to to all of you for helping support the show and yeah. our cool network that hosts us
0: mm-hmm. yeah. and we're gonna talk about gone home we're gonna talk about it top to bottom we're gonna spoil it we're gonna spill all the beans yeah, um so let's first spill some beans first up we're gonna go over what the deal is with this game it was developed by fulbright company, Indie Studio, that was founded in 2012. And the game came out on August 13th, 2013 for PC, and then it came out to consoles in 2014, and 2018 for the Switch, and then on mobile devices in 2018 as well. I didn't even know it was on phones. But yeah, you can really play this game everywhere. Um, And it was designed by only a few people. So Steve Gaynor, Carla Zamanja and Jonathan Nandhagen. I may be pronouncing all their names wrong. If so, I apologize. They all co-founded Fulbright Together in 2012. And the three of them used to work at 2K Games, and they worked on Bioshock 2 Minerva's Den. And I say that because that's a clear influence on this game, yes. and they've all talked about that. It's, a, it's an important citation. And then a bunch of other people also worked on the game. Kate Craig, Emily Carroll, and then there's music by Chris Remo. And there's also some Riot Girl bands in here. Heavens to Betsy and Bratmobile wrote some original songs for yeah, this game. Cool. And we know some of these guys. Yeah, I should say. So in the interest <laughs> of
2: disclosure, I'm friendly with Steve. He lives in Portland. We've hung out. Chris Remo and I are also friends. And actually, Sarah Amala, who plays uh, Katie, she and I are bros. So, yeah, like,
0: she's in here for a hot second. And she was interviewed on split screen way back mm-hmm. when, if people yeah, want to go so back you and know. hear an interview with her.
1: I, Chris Chris has been on the show also. Oh right, that's Steve, true. But Chris yeah, was on the show some, before. I don't my time. think Steve ever has. Some been. friendships yeah. involved
2: here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think it gives also gives me some insights into this game because I've talked <laughs> to Steve a lot about this game. It's <laughs> funny when I played this game when it came out, I I didn't know any of them. Yeah,
0: same. I didn't know any of them.
2: <laughs> and I got to know yes. Steve later. And... I mean,
0: I knew them I knew them in the sense that I listened to Idle Thumbs, which I sure. think you had probably guessed it on Kirk, but that doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily mean you were you knew them but Yeah, no.
2: I like I knew them in a bit. I but.
0: I listen to Idle Thumbs so and they it's fun to listen to Idle Thumbs in light of this game because Steve We'll talk about design philosophies that he oh, has sure. always wanted to implement, and some we'll of them end oh, yeah. up being in Gone Home. Like there's some old episodes where he's like, "I'd love to just make a game where you open drawers, and that's all you do in the <laughs> game, and like that's exactly what mm-hmm. this game is." And it, is it this owns. Game is it does totally own.
1: So this game is really interesting, and I think in a, like really revolutionary for the video game industry in a lot oh, of yeah. ways.
2: Yeah, if you rec- if you both recall, this was my pick for the defining game of the decade when oh, we did our Games of yeah. the decade. This was that's my interesting uh, choice uh, yeah. because I do. Think that it was in many ways a game that one of the games that defined the 2010s.
1: <laughs> so, to look at this game, so actually, hilariously, um, I'm, I have a new book coming up called Press Reset in May, and for that book, I wrote a lot about immersive sims and. Irrational and Bioshock and 2K Marin which is where these guys all came from and Bioshock 2 and XCOM the Bureau and all the stuff they're working on there Um, and it's been fascinating to watch the way that immersive sims have kind of evolved over the years Um, and immersive sim is one of those games where like you can can choose what you want to do. The systems rule everything and you can decide how to approach things in a bunch of different ways. You're given tools with which to approach a game in a lot of different ways. But all of them up until now have had combat of some form and I think there was always mm-hmm. that, that feeling of an immersive sim where like you're in Bioshock and you're looking around the environment and you're listening to audio logs or like you're picking things up and looking at them um, there was always that feeling of like being part of a, a museum but there was always that like triple gameplay attached to it and this is the first as far as I know um, but obviously there have been other puzzle exploration games in the past other than like um,
0: Myst I guess yeah, I think Myst is, is another <laughs> is the, is the, uh, influence on this game yeah
1: but this is the first game as far as I know where it's like a narrative game and the point of the narrative is to go around like you're in a digital museum just exploring and picking things up and being an archaeologist. And it sold a lot of copies and was really successful and critically beloved. And that to me is and Mm -hmm. there's there's a lot fascinating about this but it set so much of the tone and inspired so many games to come and I think that's super Mm -hmm.
0: cool. It is super cool. It is super cool. So we're going to talk about (laughs) <laughs> everything that happens in this video game. But but first, I did want to hear from everybody about when you first played this game and what you thought about it as compared to playing it in 2020. So Kirk, what did, what did you think about it?
2: Um, I liked this game when I first played it. I think I had done a preview of it uh, and thought it was a, just a cool idea. Didn't really know what it was. I had not played Minerva's Den before I played it. So I hadn't like experienced that rhythm, which to... Just to not spill all the beans on Minerva's Den, but it follows a very similar rhythm where it's a shot game, you're shooting big daddies and whatever, but you kind of follow the story of this one guy through audio logs, and then at the end, there's this like culmination where you arrive at a place that ties all the narrative together, and the narrative is wonderful and it's like really affecting and cool, and it's this feeling of like the whole thing is actually just this little space that unlocks and tells you a story. And I first experienced that in Gone Home, which I think Gone Home does fabulously. And the first time I played it, I really liked it. Um, I moved through it pretty quickly. I kind of went the way that the game intends you to go. And I want to talk about that maybe later, just about how interesting and clear this is, an example of level design and mm-hmm. like routing the player. And so I followed the exact path. And since then, I've um, played it A number of times and I'm so familiar with it that I couldn't do that anymore. So Mm -hmm. that was a big difference between playing it just this last weekend and that first time was I just went through the prescribed path. I learned Sam's story. I finished it. I thought it was really nice. I was like, thought it was moving and really cool. I was like, wow, this is just not like any game I've ever played before. I loved it. Mm -hmm. Um, This time I played it, I played it a little more out of order. I went upstairs first, which kind of changes things. I already knew most of the beats, but I also found a lot of stuff that I knew was there ambiently. I'd heard people talk about it, but I wasn't as totally aware of. Um, mm-hmm. In particular, is it Terry? Is that the father's name? Y- yeah. yeah. Terry's whole story, which I'm sure we'll also talk about. Yeah. Um, uncovering that and like the that's the kind of the hidden element. part of yeah. this game. Yeah. With
0: Oscar, his uncle.
2: With his uncle. And so like I think finding all of that and discovering kind of everything there is in this game and just seeing it more for what it is and how unusual it still feels now compared to every game that's taken ideas from it, it still is a game that no one has actually copied. As much as, like, Jason, you're totally right that, like, modern games lift so much from Gone Home. It was such a like, inspirational game for so many different games and different genres. But I've actually never played another game that actually just does what this game does, which is Mm -hmm. just a realist, purely straightforward simulation of a space that tells a very simple story, Mm -hmm. and that's it. And, like, I think that that was so cool especially because we've been playing whatever like cyberpunk and assassin's creed and like all these huge games to play a game that's just this tiny little slice of this one part of this one genre the immersive sim minus the combat minus all the sci-fi crap and just like a house and like that's it and that works like making it so just like each thing matters each thing has something to say to you and then it's over and you can in interact hours. with anything even something mm-hmm. doesn't matter It's just, I thought it was incredibly cool. So this was my favorite time playing it, this most Mm -hmm. recent time. I really loved it a lot.
1: Yeah. So I first played it when it came out in 2013. And I remember actually, I remember being engaged and then being kind of disappointed at the end because I was expecting, like, I was, yeah, I was expecting some sort of twist and I was kind of disappointed that there was none. I was like, okay, like probably after a few dire entries, um, at some point I was like, okay, she ran away with Lonnie, like. But what's the twist going to be when I get to the attic? Like, am I going to find a dead body? Like, did she do something horrible (laughs) on her way out or something? Am I going to find her parents it's
2: very Jason to be guessing the twist. In this no, way. I don't know. I, was just, I,
0: I don't I think Jason's the something. only one who had. The oh no, no, no! Action. Of course not. Yeah,
1: I just expected a subversion of some sort at the mm-hmm. end, and then the end was just very much like what you expected. Like, okay, it was just a heartfelt. Like the music rises, you find her, la- you find her diary, yeah. and it turns out. I guess the twist is that There's the no diary you just find at the end, even though you're hearing it the whole time throughout the game. Caitlin herself doesn't really read any of this until she gets upstairs and, and finds right. a diary. I guess that's the twist, but still. Well, like and it's, the twist
2: is there is no twist. The subversion yeah. is, right, of course. Like, Which I'm guessing is where you're going. The just happen
1: to, they happen to be on their trip, their marriage counseling trip, the same time that you arrive home mm-hmm. and Sam is gone anyway. And Sam so is supposed maybe,
0: to be there to meet you, but she right, Sam is supposed has to be a there, pressing but... engagement with running away with her girlfriend. For yeah, <laughs> And she mm-hmm.
1: clearly, like, you find a, a a note in the trash that is like, Katie don't tell mom and dad what you find in the attic so Sam clearly like maybe she set it up or maybe she just knew that like Katie is a rummager Katie likes to read everybody's shit so like she knew that Katie was <laughs> Katie gonna, a video was gonna find Diagonist. her diary I yeah, mean the yeah. diary the diary does address like yes. Katie it says yes, there's an entry does. or two that are just like dear Katie so like she knew that you're a wonderful to framing device actually I
0: feel like if anything that's the, the twist of the end is that actually it was fine for Katie to have done all of this because the final right. entry in the diary is like read my diary and you're like oh phew okay it also
2: and it's (laughs) so Um, cool that it just in the bioshock realm where in bioshock you're literally finding audio tapes that people have just left being like like these are my thoughts (laughs) and it's like this is stupid and makes no sense and you just have to stop thinking about it where in this game a lot of times you just look at something and an audio diary starts playing and it's not explained and so the first time playing it you could think like oh so this is just that trope again but then at the end the fact that it actually does explain what's going on that it's just a framing device and it's like how the story is told retroactively is really clever and really there's so much clever shit in this game
1: but it is really clever clever. although some of the things being left around don't make sense even in this game but but I wanted to say well so so just those are my first thoughts originally playing it playing it again now for the second time I hadn't played it since it first came out I enjoyed it a lot more because I knew there wasn't going to be a twist so I was just able to soak it in and like enjoy everything for the sake of it and none of it I I remembered a lot of it surprisingly I guess it really resonated with me but I was mm-hmm. just like struck by some of the smaller things like the way that the the cursor changes um, usually it's just like eat apple look at apple or look at diary. Or, whatever um but like it changes when katie sees things that like she would have a strong reaction to like you find you find sam's like girl magazine with like a girl in a bikini and it's like oh sam or like (laughs) she finds like her mom and dad's like uh 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 Book about like f- build rebuilding your marriage or something like that. And it's just like ugh. <laughs> yeah. It's like rediscovering it's like, your partner yes. sexually, yeah. spiritually.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah, by yeah. a reverend, which I, th- yes. I, th- I, th- I thought was there's a lot of nice touches, like nods to her mother's um like religious upbringing and sort mm-hmm. of how mm-hmm. that was a part of their house, which of course is an important part of Sam's story. But yeah, I like that too. I like st- she's like Steggy, Skelly. She, she's yeah, stuffed some animal. She's like, like trying that. to remember the, the name of Sam's name.
0: stuffed animal. Yeah, so, so good. When I played this game in 2013, it's funny. I actually thought this game did subvert expectations because I thought that Sam was going to kill herself at the end of mm-hmm. the game. And there are actually quite a few things in the game that point to that, like the Ophelia poster from Hamlet on mm-hmm. her bedroom wall. Mm-hmm. Very dramatic choice, and it's like one of the first things you see when you walk in there. It's very striking. And the last couple diary entries are a real downer. The attic is lit in a really spooky way. The game feels like a horror game. Like, it, and also just politically at the time like it was revolutionary to make a story about a queer romance that ends happily or at least relatively happily like there's some friction they face some issues but it's a happy ending and that was wild to me in 2013 and I remember crying out of relief when I played it at the time because I was like am I going to come across a corpse in this attic because I don't want that to be what I have to see in this video game um and then I was very relieved that I didn't. And this time I could just play it and like cry because I was like, oh, what a nice, what a nice video. Do you game. think it's a happy ending?
1: It, didn't, it doesn't strike Ish. me as a happy ending. Like the fact that Sam felt like she had to run away with Lonnie in order to find, like, like I don't know. I don't know if in the future she'll. It's get... a very
0: impulsive, like 17 year old kind of a choice. Yeah. I don't think Sam and Lonnie stay together forever. I think it's like a a cute thing they do and that they probably end up making other choices in the future
1: as the one person on this call who played this as a parent it is definitely not <laughs> happy ending, I would say. it is a
0: horror game in that in that regard I suppose <laughs> yeah, where yeah. You're like oh god my kid didn't feel like she could come to me and, and tell me that she like wanted to do this thing yeah
1: but but it doesn't seem like I mean it seems like her parents accepted her they like it does her, which is part like, of why be with Lonnie as long as they leave the door open Well, but
0: we don't know like Lonnie's situation fully like the sure. few hints that we get about her situation are kind of like why why she might make this type of impulsive choice but I also think it's nice that you don't know everything I think that's a right. benefit of the game is that we don't have the answers to all of those right. questions, and we can like, just we imagine. don't know
1: if the mom had an affair, we don't know, right. yeah, we don't know a lot of things, yeah, yeah. definitely. I, so, I think
2: to talk about the parents a little bit, there is another very happy ending in this game that I found yes. really moving the second time, and that's Terry's story. Mm. Um, so mm-hmm. there's this great article, it is, I will link it in show notes, it's um, an Indie Haven article. Did either of you read this article? It's like, oh, yeah, basically, it's back. called The Dark. <laughs> Gone Home's dark story. And I remember when um, this was published, this is by a a writer named Simon Rankin, sort of breaking down Terry's story and explaining it because a lot of people missed it, including me the first time that I played it. Me too. And um, I remember seeing this article and reading it and thinking, oh... I I didn't really catch that. I caught some things about Terry and I liked the idea of oh, you know, it's this interesting thing with her dad where he's sort of this unhappy guy like his whole but this time his whole story really hit me and actually um Jan his wife her relationship to him was also really cool. There are these little tiny things. Do you want to explain the story for people? So yeah, I'll I'll kind of break it down. And it's so it's the idea is that Terry is, and this is just what, what I learned the first time through,
0: mm-hmm. the
2: very clear textual thing is that Terry is um, a frustrated novelist who published one book about. A guy. It's kind of a, looks like a like Dean Koontz, Tom Clancy kind of a thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Accidental Savior is that the first one? Yum. They all have these names.
0: Yep. They all have "accidental" in the title, right? It's accidental great. Pariah, etc. Yeah. Et cetera. yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> they have these great covers too, um, yeah. and it's about a guy who, much like in Stephen King's 11-22-63, <laughs> travels back in time to when JFK was assassinated and stops it. And then it becomes like he's kind of Sam from Quantum Leap, like he he becomes he a time traveling hero who saves presidents. And his first book doesn't sell very well. They give him a new contract for a second book. It does even worse. You can see a letter from his publisher as he gets dropped. He winds up picking up freelance work. Which, another thing that nobody would save, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I,
0: <Yeah. laughs> although the place where he saves it is in his personal bar, like in his little library off of his office, which is like, that's really grim. Like, yeah. uh, keep like right, your all right, sad all right, rejection letter. I mean, I don't know. Like, if you're going to save it, I guess put it next to your bottle of whiskey. Like, I feel like <laughs> they do, they try to come up with ways to at least put objects in a place where they might be sure. even if you're also wondering like why would you save this
2: so yeah, yeah. and I mean there are little believability things like that whatever Yeah. yeah. Um, so he he is now a hi-fi reviewer though he has begun he has become very purple <laughs> in his yep. prose as he writes these reviews it's amazing this is an amazing draft where he's like what is it it's a oh, man I have it in my notes somewhere but it's like <laughs> they say that beauty is but a walk on the uh-huh. it's like a man and his greatness meets his potential it's just like crazy it's like the pioneer, hi-fi, like CD combo, CD laser player. <laughs> it's just so funny. as someone who has occasionally done that kind of thing when reviewing. Like not like really, a tech but like you know, of some kind, you get in yeah. that when you're like doing a headphone review or yeah. something for Kotaku, and then it's like let's it have a little important. fun, yeah. yeah. And then he gets he, the letter from the guy editing him, being like, one he's like, Stop. He's like, Jesus Christ!" He's like, "I would have just fired you, except you're friends with my boss." Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, I loved all that, yeah. and like, but it's very sad because you see this frustrated writer who wants to be an artist and like can't be because no one will publish him, and how in 1995 which, or 94, I guess, when this game is set, yeah, that is uh, in the 90s, you it was a lot harder to just publish. You couldn't find satisfaction as an artist or a writer the way that you can now, um, which it really made me reflect on like how there were so many artists, I bet, who felt closed off and just like out with no platform and no way to mm-hmm. create and like share this thing they have inside of them and that made me really sad.
0: Yeah, although this time period is like the beginning of artists being able to do that because it also has like zine culture and like cassette tapes being traded around, which is like that's right. Sam's generation. Like that's how she gets to start trading around art in yeah. a more like shareable way and that, but then her dad is stuck with like the old publishing structure and like the old world right. model.
1: Although he finds a new publisher he that does. is very he finds, new age. Right,
2: right. So we'll get there. So right, that is, and that is initially I thought the happy ending. Potentially a
1: scam. There's a
2: nice thing, and there are really (laughs) nice little things. I think a lot of the best stuff that I noticed this time through aren't in the letters. The letters are great. The handwriting, all of the little notes, it's all so well done. But there are also a lot of little things just in the game world if you go really slow and pay attention or know what to look for. He has um, stationery that says, it's like from the pen of Terence Greenbrier. And it's like, it's just like, someone made him that stationary, or it was a gift, or he made it for himself, and it's the kind of thing, like, from the pen of it, he's kind of, you know, puffing himself up a little and being like, I'm a writer, like, and he <laughs> yeah. he had failed, and, like, seeing that just in his drawer, it's, like, really sad, or in his office, there's a bottle of whiskey up high, I don't know if either of you saw this, like, really up, kind of hidden in his office, and you only keep a bottle of whiskey in your office up hidden like that. You know, if you're drinking it when no one really knows, and it's <laughs> yeah, like just a sign of like <laughs> you're maybe not doing great, especially because like you said, he has that bar and there's another bottle of whiskey. But mm-hmm. it isn't like most video games where there's like bottles of whiskey in every room because they just copy pasted them. There's only those right. two: yeah, the one at the right. bar it's and the one in your office. Yeah, if you have your secret whiskey, like, that kind of tells a little story. So, anyways, yes, then he finds a new publisher. They discover him. It's this, like, great thing. And it's kind of at the end when you've gotten into the locked-off section of the house. You kind of get little denouements for all these stories. And Mm -hmm. it's his Mm -hmm. is that... This new publisher found him. They're kind of this niche publication. They really like, um, or they're a niche publisher. They, they like finding strange books. They love his book. They're kind of weirdos. Like, they write him this.
0: Yeah, they have, like, a cult following, apparently. wonderfully. yeah. yeah. He's like, we're yeah, incredibly so glad we sketchy. found you. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's supposed to be a scam, Jason. I think it's supposed to just be like a feel-good no? ending. They're just yeah. a little weird.
1: They're like an oddball small publishing house. I read it as kind of sleazy. Like, yeah. if I got a note from a publisher like that, I would be like, oh man, like what What are they trying to do? Like, it feels, it feels sleazy. It feels sketchy. But if
2: you were in this position, it may, would maybe be different. Right. Like, if someone was like, oh, I've been trying to find, and if it was 1990,
1: whatever. But it feels like they're trying to find down on their luck writers and, like, get them involved in the pyramid scheme.
0: But they offered a republish his. And then
1: you have to buy copies of your book. You have to buy copies of your book from the publisher and then sell them to people yourself. Okay, like well a that
2: I, I didn't get any of that from this. This seems to me like a much more straightforwardly happy ending. Like, Sure, I, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're saying they want to publish. Well and the thing is, like, it's not actually about the money and it's not about him becoming a publishing success. It's about him feeling good and writing and pitching his new book. And so you find this letter from him to them being like, Hey, I know you don't do this and this would be a new thing for a publisher, but I have this new story. And it just means he's like the fire is lit inside him again. He has these ideas for his stories, and what mm-hmm. even if five people read them, like he has now become an artist. So I thought that was the story, and that's actually a really nice story. Yeah. But There's this other aspect to it that if you go and you look around, and this is very well documented in that article that we'll link, you actually find that there's a much darker underside to this, which is that it's not stated explicitly. Like a lot of this game, it's left kind of ambiguous. But essentially what happened is his uncle, Oscar, who owns this house—Oscar, is that his name? Mm -hmm. Um, —owns this house, sexually molested him when he was uh, young in 1963. Um, right in November 1963, if you find that yeah. marking on the wall, mm-hmm. which was right when JFK was assassinated. Mm-hmm. And it would track that he kind of associates these two things.
0: Got a little obsessed with that event. Yeah.
2: Right. Well, in with his going mind. back in
1: time and stopping that event. Yes.
0: Yeah.
2: And so then Oscar leaves in this house and is clearly like a very troubled man and is like trying to deal with what he's done and mm-hmm. is, you know, is like a pariah from his family.
0: Like you, ha- you find the weird letter from Oscar where he's like, right. I was so glad to see you got married and surprised, but relieved mm-hmm. by that. And it's like, what? What does that mean? And it, so it's... this is
2: all right. And it's all very hinted at, exactly. Like, it's never said explicitly in any kind of a clumsy way, which is good, because this is a really heavy thing to include in a game, especially as a small thing. And I think they do a good job of that. And then you realize, right, like you said, Jason, his stories are about this, about him trying to go back and, like, fix this thing that happened to him. You see this letter from his father about how, like, the book doesn't work, and yeah. it's too much. He's putting too much of himself in it, and it's this kind of mm-hmm. very cold letter. Oh, yeah. It's really like the, the especially given from that it's his dad father is so cool. That sucks is and like super out. and yeah. his dad must know what happened. And so it's I like mean just... I don't
0: know. That's interesting that you assume that. I figured his dad didn't know and was just an asshole but i mean we have maybe. no way of i mean maybe yeah. i guess i read it as his dad as I, 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 no no I, I don't mean to overstate that i don't mean to overstate i don't assume i like i like that you can interpret it any which way like you you don't know yeah
2: and i uh, that's not even like my strong interpretation right. i just yeah. sort of i was thinking out loud
1: just then i read it as his dad also being a writer and like terry like yeah, disappointing yeah his
0: dad him. is a writer cuz you can find the book by him elsewhere mm-hmm. in right, the house right, He's right, like an yeah. academic writer yeah yeah
2: so I think that looking at it that way, the fact that he had, he couldn't confess it to his wife, he'd begun to kind of yeah. close down, he's drinking by himself, he felt like a failure. And
0: they've moved into the house of the man who molested right. him. So, that's, well, so just, that's
1: the really sad part, is that yeah. so Oscar felt like so guilty that he wound up leaving and you can find the will pretty f- yep. early in the game he left the house to Terence um and Terence, and i think this is implied but this is this is my read on it certainly is that Terence and the whole family is like so hard on their luck that yeah. they feel they have to take this house not to mention it's a pretty sweet house like this is. house is incredible but um, it's you know but tainted. they but they're yeah it's right. tainted but they are so like uh, they're hard times like mm-hmm. I mean his wife Janice got a promotion but like she's the only breadwinner really because he's not making any money off his books or anything and she gets so, the
0: promotion after they've already moved to this house so like who knows how right, they were that's doing true. before
1: so yeah so they moved do you know when when they is it like supposed to be a year before or like a few months before they, they the story mm, starts I don't whenever know. they have moved
2: while Katie has been in Europe so not very long yeah
1: so so um they feel like it's it's like this this trap around them um that like they felt like Terence felt like he had to inherit this house, even though it was the house where like the worst moment of his life happened to him, and that is kind of like a sad element of this whole thing
2: to maybe it's just to kind of sum up my thoughts on this story now, having seen that and played this game again after so many years, it's incredible. it's the conversation we even just had about this story is incredible that it's laid out the way that it is that we've it's like exists in our imaginations in this way that it does that we can like imagine these people and they feel so real like this is so unusual at least for me oh, playing yeah. a video game like there's almost no other games where I'm like it all exists it feels very literary like it feels like characters in a book Oh,
0: or like a, a movie I mean it, it, it feels so expertly designed and there are so many little things that stood out to me in 2020 with in light of all of this like he leaves this note um, to katie saying like stop turning lights on in the house all the time which is like just this funny note about the fact that you're going to be turning lights on Mm -hmm, everywhere you go in this spooky Mm -hmm. dark house but you're literally illuminating the darkness of the house and it is also haunted by oscar's ghost it's just not haunted (laughs) by his ghost in the way that you think Mm -hmm. it is and like you find the Ouija board and so on and like Sam and Lonnie have their bit where they actually try to contact Oscar the ghost but like they're on the wrong track in terms of what that ghost actually is and it it's just it's a horror game but it's not the kind of horror game that you think it is it's a horror game about the mundanities of life and Mm -hmm. parenting and figuring out who you are and I just noticed all those little things so much more this time and I was like, damn, I wish there were short games that appreciated every single detail in the way that Gone Home does. (laughs) Like every single part of it is considered. So
2: that to me is the thing like playing this game again that I came away with. I was just like, man, every game that has been like Gone Home, but the but winds up totally missing the point of Gone Home. Like even, and I say this like I liked their the Ful- Fulbright's next game, uh, Tacoma. Mm-hmm.
0: Tacoma, yeah. But
2: even Tacoma was a sci-fi game set in outer space, like, yep. about- and it like had a lot of cool narrative ideas, but. It didn't have this thing of just like a house and some people. And mm-hmm. I understand completely that they would have made this thing and not been like, well, we can't make our next game like, a I house don't know, again. Yeah. or like a, an office building <laughs> or something like it's like you can't do the same thing again, I guess. But I really wish someone else had. And mm-hmm. there probably are games that maybe really did this. But also like, what's the one? Um, what Became of Edith Finch? very influenced by this game but that game it's like this totally larger than life royal tenenbaums weirdo like almost fairy tale family with these Mm -hmm. like outlandish deaths and these wild magical realism sections in a big house that you walk around while looking at stuff and it's like that's cool but that's not i don't walk away from that game i can't tell you about most of the characters from that game i remember the guy who like went to the fish cutting factory because like that section was cool. But it's nothing like this where there's this super rich family. Man, one detail about um, about their marriage is it's really lovely, I think, at the end that they decide to patch things up and that yes. you first see that they're on a vacation. That calendar, I think, is amazing. There's this <laughs> calendar and it tells you so much. It tells you there's a circle at the top where it's like, Find out when Katie's landing. So it tells you that your parents didn't know when you were landing, and that's why they're not there. It also has uh, Rick's wedding, which I think, to me, it tells me that Rick and Jan did not have an affair. And that, like, because they kept mentioning he has a girlfriend, and, like, are they serious? It sounds like they were serious. Yeah, I
0: interpreted it as, like, an emotional affair. Like, they're both partnered, but they're both kind of unhappy. Like, you find the Earth, Wind & Fire concert stuff. Yeah, and, like, you... You hear about how his girlfriend didn't want to go see Earth, Wind and & Fire, and so he takes Janice instead. And you, there's a salon receipt where she gets her hair done right before the concert. And so, like, clearly she kind of cared what she looked like for this. But, like, is it a date? Not really. Right. I, I I, don't think they slept together, but I think they did have, like, they wondered if something right. was there. And then both of them apparently decide against it because he gets married And she goes to the marriage counseling retreat with her husband. Well,
1: and they both go to his wedding. So like Terry and and Janet. Well,
0: they don't actually. They don't go to the wedding. I think they miss it because their trip is
1: Saturday the wedding is Sunday. Oh, I thought it was the day before their retreat. They
0: decide not to go because instead working on their marriage is more important. Which says it all. And there's
2: one little thing that I loved here and it is that um, in I think it's in Terry's office. There are these wadded up drafts that he's been writing. And on one of them, Jan has taken it and she's written, keep going or like yeah. "keep trying. And it's so cool because it's like these people have been married for a long time. Like they have each other's backs. Like it's a real marriage. Like it feels like that little thing alone. I found that like. Beautiful and there's so yeah, much stuff like this cool. in this game. I was like, "Holy shit, this is better yeah. than I don't know,
1: like a million blood yeah, so. like <laughs> letters in in yeah. The Last of Us or whatever." I want to respond to your point earlier, Kirk, which is that I think one of one of my kind of theories, one of the things that I've been thinking for a long time is that so many video games have become so much better, have been so much better over the years as a result of, like, really tight constraints, and I think this is a perfect example of that. This is a game that came out just about a year, I believe, after the the um, people left actually let me fact check.
2: I think they had been prototyping it or like in a in a different engine and they yep. really were they hit the ground running. I know that much. Um, they made it very Yeah, fast.
0: I mean the studio was founded in twenty twelve so they did right. have okay. they made it right. So yes. Yeah.
1: So yeah, they announced that they they uh, left two K Marin at like May-ish of 2012 um, they were all living in one house I believe That's The legend, um, and Classic they were Andy self-funding west. so it was very much like they were paying for themselves this was back in the time when like the indie world was the wild west um, yeah. it was like yeah. the steam green light days or like before steam it was Greenlight. before green yeah. this was attention. when like
2: getting in the IGF would get you on steam and that was the reason it was cool to be in yep. the IGF yeah mm-hmm. it was very
1: hard to get attention um, and these these guys I mean they clearly like they had to it themselves so they didn't have unlimited time they had to start like with a reasonable scope and they couldn't just say we, we want to make the world we want to make a game that changes genres every every time you go into a new room or something like that they had to say like this is a very focused story that is in this one house and like all we do is have you pick things up and look at them and as a result of that it became a special game and I think that like sometimes you can become paralyzed by choice um, and we've all experienced that at some point or another when you don't when you're don't face that like uh-oh candles burning or like uh-oh running out of time running out of money then mm-hmm. you kind of can just wind up making a decision and then be like actually we should go like this actually we should make it bigger actually we should add more guns um and <laughs> i think that the reason that this game is such a success is because of those restrictions yeah it certainly contributed yeah
0: so the main storyline in this game is is not about terry that's the side story no. which is which is wonderful but we can we should talk about Sam and Lonnie's love story. Yes. So I would say Sam is probably actually the protagonist of this game. You are playing as Katie, but Sam is the person that the whole story is about. It's her diary that you're hearing.
2: typical secondborn yeah. <laughs> I say that as a second born, but it's a this is a very second right, born yeah
0: mode. yeah. and and, It's kind of her horror premise that at least I, the first time I was playing it, was thinking would play out. Like, one of the first things you hear is the voicemail from Lonnie, although you don't know that's what it is. But it's like this creepy voicemail where you're like, why is this woman, like, crying on the phone? Like, what's happening here? And, I mean, you also hear the story of Sam dealing with bullying at school and, like, not fitting in and being unhappy. I mean, it gets more lighthearted as it goes along but I was definitely like I I don't know if things are gonna work out for this girl but yeah I what did what did you two think about the overall pacing of this I loved it so I could go on and on but Kirk what did you think
2: yeah I think it's paced amazingly and so like I mentioned I I played this in a little bit of a different order Mm, which was I stopped I went back and kind of found the original groove but um, I think that it's interesting how this story can play out slightly differently if you go upstairs first because I sort of just went straight upstairs instead of like I think almost everybody goes off to the left. Yes. And you go to the living room because the you can hear the TV over there. There are certain things that draw you that way, mm-hmm. and that's like where you hear about. And the right door is locked, so that, you know, yeah. you, can't go, well, you right. can't go to the right, but you could go upstairs. But I you think could. it's just like I, I feel the, like
0: there's a human logic to like I should explore the downstairs before I go upstairs. Downstairs yeah. before yep. you
2: go
1: upstairs. No, yeah, yeah
2: and I, I think I, I feel like I've talked to Steve about this, and that he yeah, was like, of we knew like every we like really set it up so people would go left, but we knew also that people could go upstairs and you're not going to get any of the really deep story stuff because it's all kind of locked behind various things that you can't accidentally get to. Like you can't open the secret panels, even though I knew they were there. You -hmm. can't open them until Katie knows that they're
0: there. Until you know they're there. Right. Yeah. Right.
2: So I went upstairs and it's like, I think you're in um, Sam's room and I, I heard a journal entry about Lonnie. And it was mm-hmm. about like I can't. It was a little farther on though. It was them. Might have been when they were dyeing their hair because there's like the bloody oh, yeah. bathtub so and you other think horror. Think it's thing. a bloody
0: bathtub. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean there's so many like horror accidental. Yeah. Oh, it's not actually horror. And one of them yeah. is the red yeah. hair dye. I kind oh, of like that, that one. The, one, the rain first and
1: like the weather warnings the and the TVs. Well, the flickering thunder. Yeah, this hor-
2: yeah. horrifying
0: dramatic thunder. thunder. There's like the passageway where if you pick up the crucifix, the light will go out. But yeah. only if you pick up the crucifix. Yeah,
2: I didn't. Pick up the crucifix the first time. I had never seen that before, and I was yeah. like, "What?
0: Like this is? I am
2: scared right now." Like, people have yeah.
0: described like, it as the one jump scare and gone home. And yeah. I think Steve has even said he regretted putting it in because it's I like genuinely that. scared people. And he's like, "We just thought it was the, funny." The
2: cross is creepy looking. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's some yeah. Children of the Corn shit. And like you pick it yeah. up, and the light goes out, and it's like I was like, um, "Am I about to like actually see the ghost?" Um, so yeah. yeah, that so that was it was cool because then I went and back got back on the track and started mm-hmm. hearing the story as it's told where she goes to the new school and she sees this girl who she's like, oh she seems punk rock but she's also JROTC and like you know, what's her deal? And then they start to hang out and then I was Playing kind of Playing back... Street
0: Fighter at the 7-Eleven. There's a lot of Street Fighter uh, in this those game. Those Chun-Li yeah. codes,
2: the Chun-Li codes <laughs> under the
1: TV, one of my favorite little things. Which yep. is so fascinating by the way is it's never really explained because Sam never really knows why Lonnie, a punk rock kid, also like felt the need to get out of the army and like be this authority. Sure, she
2: explains it. It's because her family oh, is like a military family. She like yeah. goes oh. way back and has like a oh, strong I I that. tie to the military and her. But family. she's also
1: this well, I mean, I guess the anti-authoritarian stuff is when she leaves and decides she's yeah, actually. She runs a girl, away. So. She, yeah, she, yeah. I think she's out. just
2: like, it's a part of my life and always has been and it's always been this. That's it. that's kind of how she explains it. So I also found um when I went upstairs first, I found the later draft of the, um, what's her name, Captain uh, Abba, I'm oh, forgetting that the pirate now. character. The, the yeah, pirate the fantasy, captain sorry. and the first mate. Yeah. And I found a, a later draft, not the one that you find much later, where it, like, gets real gay. Like, <laughs> but the, the one that's, like, <laughs> before super that. The
0: secret gender swap pirate. Right, the gender swap OC. pirate yeah. fiction. <laughs> yep. um,
2: but the one before that, that's, like, just better written. And I remember really liking, the first time through, just that, the sort of, finding her different stories um sam's stories just as a kid i wrote a lot of stories like this like i would write these adventure stories and publish them and i would have like the you know biker and they'd be these like action adventure whatever and i was like because i like loved to write and i'm sure they're terrible i've i've I might have some of them still somewhere Mm -hmm. but like and
0: like the early Sam stories are also kind of bad like the very early like childish ones I mean but they're wonderful at the same time
2: and then they get better and I think following that transition is so cool especially because there's that great scene a little near the end where her friend Danny I think his name is her old friend he brings the the story that she wrote when she was really little so you go all the way back to the beginning and like following Sam's writing also the like sex ed thing that she does where she (laughs) writes this whole huge adventure story (laughs) into like a thing about how the fallopian tubes were or whatever like yeah. that <laughs> arc for Sam especially this time I mean it like it just warms my heart I mean everything about this game warms my heart and it's like a writer's game and Steve's a writer Mm -hmm. it's so clearly like someone who understands writers and like so writers like this game and we're all writers so of course we all (laughs) like this game but like that stuff is just catnip for writers when it's like showing a growing writer finding her voice and finding (laughs) herself and it's so so well done like Mm -hmm. everything the notes the see me from the teacher on the session (laughs) thing like the 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 typos like the just it's
1: God, I, so that makes me love Sam. I love Sam. I bet her dad has, like, read all this, too, and been extremely proud. Like, he's definitely rummaged through all this.
0: He probably is, actually. Uh, I, there, I think there's at least one moment where Sam talks about, like, having a better relationship with her dad than her mom at one point, and, like, that mm-hmm. makes sense, which I then think makes it a little more heartbreaking that it's the note from her dad later after she comes out of the closet where yep. he's the one grounding her because it's, like, they're the ones with the closer relationship and I don't know I I did like though that even though Terry is abused by a man there's never like a homophobic reaction that's in light of that like I feel like that was a choice the game could have made and it doesn't Mm -hmm. like there are a couple things a moments or scraps of paper you can find where like the parents are watching a tv show about like oh queer children and like it's like sort of a scaremongering like show that they've circled Mm -hmm. in their tv guide and like very
2: (laughs) 90s very like inside edition or whatever yeah, there's those like shows, yeah.
0: bibles lying around and so you're kind of uh, like oh, reefer madness like, how's everything really going in this household mm-hmm. but like it never gets that scary it's almost like the game doesn't want to force you into that and i just i don't know i really appreciate that they just don't go there in a lot of those things mm-hmm. so also this house has secret compartments this is the other horror game reveal. It does. It's kind I, of a
1: clue house.
0: Yeah. Well, I, <laughs>
1: it's because Oscar is a fucking creep. That's why.
0: Or I think it's because it was a house that was used for bootlegging. Like, that's the only mm-hmm. real clue is that you can find, like, a really old record of the house having been used to bootleg liquor, right. like, way, way yeah. back in the day. And, like, maybe mm-hmm. that's why there's secret compartments. Right. And that's but, also just cool. But maybe it's because Oscar was a creep. But as you find the secret compartments... I feel like that's when you start to enter into the end game. Like you find like the locker code for Sam's locker, which is Mm -hmm. where you find she also has porn. Like her dad has a porn mag and then she has the same, like it's Gentleman Mm -hmm. magazine, which I had never heard of in my life, but I guess it's a,
2: It might be made up. I think a lot of the brands are, I don't think there are any real brands. Yeah,
0: but like, it's just funny that like, that's another parallel between them, but like in a different Mm -hmm. type of way. And um, you just find out the rest of the story. I think after you unlock the lockers, when you hear about the first kiss between Sam and Lonnie Mm -hmm. and that, I don't know, all of it owns, this game is great and I love it. (laughs) I have nothing else to say about this. (laughs)
1: Yeah, it's just such a it's such a real coming of age story and it's just so it all feels so genuine and that's like the best thing you can achieve as a fiction writer as a fiction storyteller is something that feels real even when it's clearly a fictional story. Yeah, she has um, these
2: explanations of her feelings. I mean Sam who is Sam's voice actor? We gotta shout out Sam's voice actor. Um, um, Sarah she, Grayson. She, Sarah Grayson. She did such a great job um, and the writing is fantastic. Like it's a, It's such a great mixture of those two things. There's a scene where she's talking about watching Lonnie perform with her band, yeah, and like how it feels to like love someone who's on stage being so cool and and how Lonnie's like really good mm-hmm. and um and that i don't know like there are so many moments like that that could have come off as like overly sentimental or cloying or like kind of manipulative, and they just they really never do like all the way through to the end like i couldn't there wasn't like a false step in the writing, which is tough, I mean. I guess yeah. it goes to the thing you were saying earlier, Jason. Like, the focus thing. It's like, because this was the only thing in the game, it's the only VO in the game, like, other mm-hmm. than uh, the, like, message that Sarah records at the very beginning of the game. Mm-hmm. Only VO is just Sam. So they could really just be like, let's get it perfect and, like, spend so long on each of these little diary entries because it isn't like, whatever, Bioshock Infinite, to name an immersive sim that kind of right. came out around the same time, which had just, like, an endless dialogue and had... I'm sure the directing and, like, acting sequences are, like, sessions for that game were like exhausting and went on forever and were so Mm -hmm. challenging and they had to do all this dialogue and stuff. This is just like we're going to do whatever it is, 11 journal entries. we got to make them all sing. They've all got to be perfect. They've got to feel right. And they did it. And like then the game just feels like it's basically flawless. I think that part of it really I can't think of a problem I have with any of it.
0: Yeah. yeah,
1: I mean, it's just perfectly scoped. And I think the downside of that is that if you're a player who buys this game for 20 bucks and you play through it in an hour and you're like, shit, I wanted more content than that. Like if you equate dollars to to, to hours to value, like if you look at mm-hmm. that as a mathematical formula, you may feel kind of ripped off. But it does feel, playing it today, I did feel like, oh, huh, that was it. Like I would have played more of this, mm-hmm. um, which I think on one hand is like a good feeling to have. I'm pretty infamous by now for preaching that games are too long and I would rather a game feel like I want more than I would feel it feel like, God, why won't this end? On the other side, on the other hand, I think that like you could have had a game like this that, Told a longer story and accomplished more if like given given a little bit more time. And I think that like focus to that point is is really the important part of that. But then again, I'm I i do not know. You you risk scope yeah, creep if you're going to get exactly. It I I'm yeah. t- maybe, but maybe not. Like I, I, I really think that maybe not is a it's a big maybe not for that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess the thing is you have to kind of see this as like a short story of a game, and it's that's that's what it is. It's not like your your typical video game. There isn't a lot about this that is typical. Or it what is so
2: here we are 7 years after it came out and it's like still in my head. I remember everything about it, but I just replayed mm-hmm. it and I have a million more thoughts about it.
1: Well, in the way that the
2: best short story would be. Yeah. Just in the way that the best story would be. Like sure. it's just a great story.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean I I thought of it as almost a mystery at the time and I still think of it that way and I still feel like games haven't done this kind of mystery solving thing which I I don't know. It's like a bunch of bespoke objects that are really a lot of it is the art direction or or designs as well like everything feels really different like all the different handwriting all the the zines and so on like if I could play a game that had all of those little bespoke designs in terms of the clues I was collecting and then it all culminated in something like and I don't need to hold a gun the entire time that would be really great and I still feel like I can't think of a game Mm. that's Something like so that.
2: I've been thinking a lot about the games, like the walking simulator genre, so yeah. called that has now been kind of a reclaimed term that I use. Just that's just kind of what people call it, and that's which fun. I
0: think was a term that this game originated. No, oh yeah, I mean, yeah, and it was yeah. like
2: derisively yeah. used by like, yes chuds on the internet, and now people yeah, are kind of it like, like oh, whatever, taken it is. back. Sort of a useful way of describing. Yeah, it. Yeah, was... and
0: now people are like, I like walking simulators. Like, if right, this is right. a walking simulator, I'm into it.
2: <laughs> so I think about other games and I've talked a little about, about Edith Finch, which have either of you played that game? It's, a, no. it's it's cool. It's it's really neat, but it's it's a much more elaborate game.
1: I was thinking about Firewatch as, as sure. the, the Right, which um to
2: this. made by some of
0: some other idle compatriots thumbs-ians. from Idle
2: Thumbs. Yeah, which is a cool game though uh, I don't like that game as much as Gone Home. I haven't replayed in a while. That'd be an interesting one to replay maybe yeah. and talk about. Um, I the narrative in that one falls apart for me like halfway mm. through which I feel like is because it's an open world like almost Far Cry style like non-combat game it's, it's a much bigger scoped game actually mm-hmm. kind of like uh, we were talking about one that comes to mind is actually Everybody's Gone to the Rapture which is a very different game in some ways because it's supernatural, so it's not the super grounded thing. Even though the supernatural stuff, this is a game where you're going around an, an English country town after the world has ended in some way, and it's not clear why, and everyone's gone. And you're uncovering these like glowing memories as they have these conversations. Have either of you played this game? No. Gone to the no game, I'm sure.
1: But you've told me to.
2: I like it. And if anybody who's listening has played it, I wrote this huge plot explainer for Kotaku because I kind of became weirdly fixated on this game. I played it a couple times and was like really teasing it out because it's supernatural, but it's just using that as a conduit to tell you these actually very human stories about these different characters in this town. And the real work and the way the game lives is in connecting all of these out of sequence little vignettes that you see that are all really mundane and it takes a lot like a lot of work i had these huge notes to actually figure it all out but once i did it lives in my head in the same kind of literary storytelling way as gone home where i'm like oh i know all these different people and like lizzie's relationship to you know whoever and like she was pregnant because of this guy and they had an affair and like you learn all this stuff and that it's like a game that lives outside of the game because it is so restrained in the way that it tells its story, mm-hmm. I think that's one of the legacies that I'd like to see more of from Gone Home. So it's the Dark Souls of Walking Sims. <laughs> it's the, is it? Does I guess Dark Souls does kind of live in your in
1: your head in a certain well, way. Well, you can't read. You don't know the story of Dark Souls unless you read about it online. So yeah. <laughs> unless
0: you read a lore or unless explainer. You somewhere. have some friends who help you piece it together. Yeah, right, I feel right. like the main influence that I kept thinking about is The Last of Us Part Two because Oh, well, yeah, we got to talk I, about that. Yeah, I mean, I just... Okay, so when this game came out, even the idea of it being a queer romance was also something that was revolutionary and I think, you know, pissed off a lot of bigoted people. But I also think that since then, we have games that have queer romances and it's so much more normalized that I think it's easy for people to forget how different 2013 felt, it, at least to me, like a person playing games... The idea of something like this existing was, it was unprecedented. Like there was nothing, nothing else that would even do something like this. Like you're playing as a woman, you're reading stories about another woman who falls in love with a woman. Like that's not even anything the games were doing in 2013, at least not AAA games. And even like a pretty nicely made indie game by people who had worked at a big studio, and it was like a much anticipated indie, like sort of a gold star indie. Maybe um, I wouldn't have expected that, and I think that that is a line that you can draw between that 2013 and 2020, where it's like, well, this is something that at least did change, is that mm-hmm. now we can look at something like The Last of Us Part Two, and it has, I compared it to Gone Home, I think, like, there are sure. those moments early on in the game where you're like walking around the trailer park with Dina as Ellie and you're like reading people's letters and you're like having the conversation with her about like going to the movies or not and like what would it be like and it just it had this very personal towny vibe that reminded me of gone home and that that's also my favorite part of that game and I kind of wish that were the game but that's okay <laughs> but but I do think like the strongest parts of the last of us part 2 are inspired by this game and the quiet relationship. Like the fact that it's two queer women, I think is just like, Oh, like it's safe to do that now. And people will still buy your video game. And like, that's been proven apparently, but it's also just the, just recognizing a a human relationship as being inherently interesting and, and Mm -hmm. having tension in and of itself and that being enough. And it doesn't have to just be combat. Mm -hmm. Last of Us part two has plenty of that in there, but the strong parts are like you're just hanging out with your GF and talking to her. And that can also carry a scene. So that's mm-hmm. an influence in my eyes that matters a lot. So
1: I wanna draw I wanna draw a line between Gone Home and two of my favorite games of the entire generation and two of our triple click picks.
0: Please. Return
1: of the din
0: Yes. And-
1: Outer Wilds. And both of those games are also very focused and very much like they know exactly what they want to be, even though they're much larger in scope than Gone Home is. Um, but also they're both games that are about looking, exploring, and figuring out what happened, and using your deductive skills and touch, reading and learning and, and looking at things and investigating and just-, just figuring out what happened here. And I think like that might be my favorite thing that you can do in a video game, is just become this mm-hmm. virtual digital archaeologist and just like figure out stories like instead of them being told to you you actually have to figure them out um Mm And it's kind of like the opposite of the audio log effect where it's like just literally being read to you the whole time. And it's more along the lines of like, oh, okay, I can use this piece of information to deduce that this happened here. Or like I'm reading these pieces out of order, but when I see them all in one space, I can like really, really get to them. And I think uh, I think that's really the, the legacy that Gone Home leaves is that just like that idea of like video games as a space for, for digital archaeology. And I think that's like one of the coolest things that a game can do is, is create that feeling of like you as the player uncovering the story yourself and not just creating the story like you kind of forging the story is a very different type of game and that's more of the immersive sim this is more like the you uncovering the story using your tools to learn what's there
0: yeah and gone home has both of those because it has the story that you're told from the diary but then it has the entire story we described with terry which Mm -hmm. we can only put together from clues receipts letters like And those are given to you out of order, and you Mm -hmm. just have to piece together the chain of events entirely on your own. And that—well,
1: not just the Terry stuff. Most of the game, most of the game, other than the diary entries, most of the game is like you piecing it together, seeing things out of order, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. It's that
2: feeling of making a connection in your own. Brain, which is not totally unique to games. Like, it's, this is a, the kind of thing you'll see in sort of set storytelling in movies where sure. there's a thing in the background and it's usually very ham-handed, but when it's subtle, it's nice. There's a there's like a planner. I think it's Jan's planner that you find where she's she, they've done like a couple's cooking class, but then the rest yeah, are all crossed out. The rest out. are crossed out, so and she's sad. crossed out
0: all the ballroom dancing lessons because they're not hanging out together anymore. Yeah,
2: and like that kind of thing where you just see it and you realize what it means and you think, oh man, and it's it's all that it's all happening internally, I think, is really cool and is sort of part of the 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 experience of playing this game. Like the story that it tells, it's one that you tell it for yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is also a reason that some people don't like it. Um, yeah. Is that so many games? It's like you're looking at you know like a red object and a blue object and a bunch of things you have to get past to get the red object to crash into the blue object so they explode. Like, and then
0: you're fulfilled when that happens. Like you. Right. You achieve an end and you're like, I did it. And this is not that at all.
2: And the game, it's like very clear. It's like, you need to get this thing to here. And like, if you hit this thing, you have to lose your progress and you go. And like, Mm -hmm. that's one type of video game that can be fantastic. But the idea of this same genre also holding something that just shows you something and says, what do you think of that? And like, or doesn't even show it to you. It's just there and you have to go find it and then you have to draw your own conclusions about it and if you do that, it's a whole like cognitive reasoning process that causes you to make these connections to your own life and people that you know and is so rewarding and cool. Like, it's just so completely different that Mm. it's, I think this game really challenged that in a way that speaks, it like speaks the sort of, oh, am I going to say ludic language? No. Speaks it the speaks langu- the ludic language. It speaks the language of video games, of interactivity. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's saying something so totally different than so many games that I think that challenge that it, it was like it really was as much as it's this humble small game it was almost like a gauntlet throwdown yeah that challenge like really is kind of thrilling even seven years later it's
0: deceptive too because it seems incredibly simple like in the way that a pop song seems like something anybody can mm. write but if you actually try to it. write one you're <laughs> like wait this is impossible like what even is a catchy hook and like what and like it's actually incredibly difficult to do that like Gone Home is that where it's pulling off this magic trick and it's like oh well you don't you don't even do anything in that game you just like walk around and like pick up a piece mm-hmm. of paper but it's like no. Maddie have you
1: tried <laughs> uh, have you tried one chord then a fifth and then a sixth <laughs>
0: <laughs> the minor chord the major lift yeah I tried all um, no of it. so
1: i i I think that like maybe one of the reasons people i mean I think there are a lot of reasons that people kind of went after this game and it became like a polarizing touchstone, um one of which being the length, one of which being the queer relationships, one of which being the fact that there was no like quote unquote gameplay to it, but I do think I think there's an interesting question to ask with that with that last one, which is that um, Sin Meyer, the creator of Civilization and a whole bunch of other stuff, infamously describes video games, or kind of famously describes video games as "quote a series of interesting decisions." and Games like On Home don't really offer you any interesting decisions. Like, I guess it's it's interesting that you, when what you find in things is interesting, but the only decision you're making is like, which way do I want to go? What do I want to look at first? Those aren't interesting decisions um, by the traditional definition. And I think that like like compare that to like a, a Cyberpunk where you're constantly making interesting decisions of like mm, which dialogue option I'm going to choose. Or, yeah, or like well, c- <laughs> let's
2: say Civilization, something like that. Like an <laughs> yeah. easier, an easy, a more straightforward comparison. Okay,
1: fine. A civilization, whatever it is, they are interesting. They are objective. interesting decisions even if you're not happy with the outcomes like the decisions themselves are interesting of like do I attack or do I sneak around like immersive sims are a good example of this Mm -hmm. the games that that got home sprung from Um, and I think like if you're coming from that uh, type of game, and that's the only type of game you've played all your life, then you're kind of looking at this like, how huh? what the hell is this? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think people who maybe like grew up with more of like the adventure game um, type of uh, like ethos, like the, the LucasArts games, um, the 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 mists of the world, the Zorks of the world, I think maybe you enjoy this more. Mm-hmm. Um, because even though those games like were also making you make decisions, you have to solve puzzles and such, I think they were so like very much a about having you explore this world and learn a story or tell a story and i think this this kind of is is more along that spirit.
2: I think that because this game challenges that fundamental and very, you know, true to an extent statement about games, it, it i think this game will stand as a very important moment in the sort of artistic like maturity of video games mm-hmm. because every art form has has works like this. Um, a good example is John Cage's 433, which is this piece yeah. of music that the composer John Cage wrote that is silent for 4 minutes and 33 seconds, and that's it. And they debuted it, and they like had a piano player go out on stage and sit down and nothing happened for four minutes and 33 seconds. And that is like the most extreme version of this, right? It's like the painter... It's like the Andy Kaufman of music. Yeah. Right, it's like a painter who, you know, his painting is an empty frame. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's this idea, and I'm, and I'm not directly equating gone home to that gone home is like a much more substantial thing than that it's not like hey you downloaded it and you it's downloaded just empty the game space and it's in your hard drive. <laughs> right like think about that consumerism makes you think no yep. but um and also i will say to anyone listening to this that um podcast Twenty Thousand hertz has a really really cool episode on 433 that i recommend it's fascinating and really really informative and cool but um i this game does that and it does challenge that That sort of truism of a game is supposed to be this one thing and says, well it isn't it our game isn't and yet this experience is only possible in this medium it can only be done if you're interacting with it it doesn't require you to choose what faction you're going to play or like how you're going to approach the game board but it does force your interaction and it forces you to have this sort of aesthetic experience and this narrative experience so what does that mean and it's like as a question i think gone home is so important and will be seen as so important um even now like seven years later it feels like even clearer to me Like wow, this game like really like stood out and like planted a flag and was like, here's a big question for everyone to try to answer for the next however many years.
0: Yeah, I don't know if they intended to do that or not. Oh, I
2: don't know either. And and artists don't always right. Like sometimes it's not as deliberate as John Cage. Right. Like sometimes you just make the thing you want to make.
0: Yeah. no
1: but it, it does feel very much like a game that only people coming from like the fires of AAA game development could have made because mm. they yeah. so clearly like had just come from 2K like one of the most corporate environments ever mm-hmm. where they had like executives above them saying like this game gotta have multiplayer God, gotta, gotta have 2K. like oh, gotta have yeah. guns gotta have uh, having yeah, especially read your 2K new book. <laughs> especially 2K in that era like that uh, era of 2K was yeah. just like wild and yeah like my the book is there's some wild stuff in there it's harrowing. Um, a little harrowing A little harrowing. But yeah, but this is very much a game that is just like, man, I love like I can imagine like Steve Gaynor and crew just saying like, man, this is so cool. Like getting to fill Minerva's den with all this cool story stuff. Like what if we could make a game that was only that without having to worry about like special abilities and uh, big daddies and what enemies are going to attack you where. And um, I think that's that's it. It could have only been made in this way. Yeah, Mm, that's
2: yeah, that is interesting like it's a reaction to that type of thing like it had to that had to come first
1: yeah yeah 100% um, and yeah it's just such a fascinating fascinating touchstone Fasc- a fascinating cultural touchstone it's such and
2: a good game everyone listening to this it is go really play it yeah home. people should play it if you're feeling it. like kind of game <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: play it again yeah. if you're thinking to yourself do I need to play it again you do you should play yeah. it you
2: should again. I really I'm so glad I did it was this just wonderful little and I went through it really fast because I knew right where to go and it's it was just like quick. a great experience I was like wow yeah. that was a nice way to spend a Sunday afternoon yeah
1: I was trying to think and I was trying to articulated this before, like, do I think that this game could have been better if it was bigger, if it was longer, if there was more to it? And I really don't think so, um, the more that I think about it. Like, the more I think about it, it's just such a... Uh, 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 not perfect, but like it is exactly what it wants to be. I think. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that it, it doesn't feel like a game where the developers just like wish they had more time or anything like that. Yeah. It feels like a game that like very clearly had a vision, executed on that vision. Maybe if you got the developers in a room and set sa- uh, and have them play the game, they might notice some flaws or whatever, and be like, "Oh, I wish I had done this way. Maybe I wish that I had added like like standard text alongside the scripts so people with like visual disabilities could have maybe read it more clearly or yeah, whatever, like right. stuff like that. Or like Minerals the thing you like said where Steve kind of regrets the cross jump scare. Like yeah, that yeah, was yeah. Really, right. Like little but, things like that. Little things, but like overall it just feels like a game that just executed so perfectly on what it wanted to be and it's hard to argue that like the game would have been better if it was anything else. So really this is just like perfect is a strong word but it's definitely a game a loaded word yeah too loaded of a word probably it is exactly it's, what it wants to be and for that yes. reason alone it is worth playing but yeah i really think everybody mm-hmm. out there i mean if you've gotten this part of the podcast and you haven't played it then uh like, what you <laughs> i guess what? i wonder you probably should have played it before you listen <laughs> yeah. to the show it's, it'll it's be a really long. interesting <laughs> experience to play it if you just listen to this show <laughs> I, bet it would it be I think you would, cool, oh, yeah. would still yeah, like it i think you would still like it because
0: i i mean i played it in 2020. Having already played it, knowing the entire story, and I was mm-hmm. still affected by it, which again I did not think would happen. I was like, mm-hmm. I already know exactly this going to happen because this game. there's
2: a million little details that we didn't yeah. mention. A thing, also, we didn't talk about the ghosts. Oh, right, that's true. There's also the horrifying ghosts. One thing that I, you <laughs> mentioned this very. I, I, I had thought to mention this, but I do. I want to shout this out. Um, I I can't remember what it was. I interviewed Steve. This was before we knew each other really very well, but. Um, about a a thing about violence, about video game violence, and I think it was for Kotaku, and then I repurposed this for the New York Times that same year. And it was this year, because I remember, because I was, like, excited to write for the New York Times, I was like, oh, I have this idea. I'm gonna, Mm -hmm. like, articulate it for them. And it was this idea of specific violence that he had mentioned. I think it was, like, he wrote a blog post about it. He was kind of a blogger, and he came in as, like, a QA tester. This was, like, way, you know, way when he first got his start. Um, And then sort of worked his way up. Yeah.
0: I think he did, like, Half-Life mods and stuff. Like, there there was, Mm -hmm. like, a way that he got the job, but yeah.
2: And he, you know, and clearly it was a very strong voice and had a lot of ideas and obviously, like, now he's, he's doing what he's doing, but he had written this blog post, I think it was just a post, and it was about specific violence and about the idea that one of the big problems in video games and this was sort of around the discussions of ludonarrative dissonance or probably like 2008, 2009 mm-hmm. and like how Nathan Drake just kills tons of people and how like yeah. the video the violence is all anonymized and how much more meaningful it would be if when you killed someone in a game it was like a huge deal. They had a name, they were a character. That's, like this The one Last is, of Us 2. Uh, well, The Last <laughs> of Us 2 kind of, yeah, yeah. actually. Like they, they did take the
1: idea and do something. <laughs> they will like do shout each other's names. Except so. there's
0: also all the other people you kill.
1: <laughs> but no, yeah. but they, they did assign individual. Identities yeah. to each person. Yeah, they, they do, do but, have names and they shout them and it gets hilarious after yes, a while. Yes. You yeah.
2: and I disagree about this and we already did a whole of The Last of Us 2 Beans cast. I actually <laughs> that's think that that's like a pretty incredible thing they did in that game. But, anyways, yeah. my point about Gone Home is just that idea is in Gone Home because everything in it is so specific. And we're talking about like if you listen to this whole thing and you hadn't played the game, would you even get anything out of it? But there are just so many examples of little specific things in this game because each, every object in it is specific. There are like, my notes are just filled. With examples that we didn't have time to get to of mm-hmm. little things like little writing ticks and typos and all these other little like magic little bits that like bring the whole thing to life that you only could see if you play them. No podcast episode could recount all whatever 700 like individual Mm -hmm. things in the Mm -hmm. game and i think that that specificity is really the like heart of the game
1: get too long for kirk to edit if we try (laughs) that's
2: true we could just start listing things right now and go for another hour it's
0: not worth doing i I mean i think it's just worth saying that each individual aspect of the game feels really good to look at and that's just fun it's just Mm -hmm. fun for a video game to look good and feel good and people Mm -hmm. should play this video game all right we did it
2: yeah, <gasps> we did. We spilled, did it. The we spilled all the beans. They're yeah, everywhere. so thank
1: you again to everybody <laughs> out there for becoming a member. Feel yeah, free to go tell it. your friends to become members or share yeah. triple click with your friends. Yeah, because, help us make this thing. We love yeah. making it. Um, yeah, so we will be back next month with another beans cast that we have GD. not quite announced yet. We will announce mm-hmm. at the beginning of January. it'll be fun. Um, and yeah, the the show will be back. Our regular episodes. We will be skipping this week, Christmas week. We'll be back again next week. All right. Well,
2: I'll see you both then. Bye. Triple Click is produced by Jason Schreier, Maddie Myers, and me, Kirk Hamilton. I edit and mix the show and also wrote our theme music. Our show art is by Tom DJ. Some of the games and products we talked about on this episode may have been sent to us for free for review consideration. You can find a link to our ethics policy in the show notes. TripleClick is a proud member of the Maximum Fun Podcast Network. And if you're listening to this bonus episode, it means you're already a member. So thank you. We really appreciate your support. Find us on Twitter at TripleClickPods. Send email the TripleClick at MaximumFun.org and find a link to our Discord in the show notes. Thanks for listening. See you next time.